Welcome to the January 19th episode of Enjoying the Bible podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. And my desire with this podcast is to help you grow in your understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I also want to encourage you uh, that if you are enjoying this podcast, and I would assume we're January 19th, you followed along for almost three weeks now, uh, that if you're enjoying this, and if you enjoy a particular episode, feel free to share the link to that episode on your social media so that others uh, can have the opportunity to, to click on it and to listen. Or if you're just enjoying the, the podcast as a whole, feel free to tell people about it and let them know. Uh, I just want to have a resource available to people who want to grow in their love and enjoyment and application of God's incredible Word. I hope you're ready for today. Today's reading is Genesis chapter 46, 47, and 48. We're nearing the end of the book of Genesis. And once again, today's reading is Genesis 46 through 48. I hope you're ready. Let's get started. Okay, as we come to Genesis chapter 46, um, whenever we look at verses 1 through 4, we realize that God reassures Jacob uh, with some promises um, that, uh, that the Lord in some way reaffirms some truths uh, that God is going to be with him. He's going to bless him. And uh, so God just wants to protect Jacob's heart. And uh, then in verses 8 through 27, we get, uh, you know, kind of a, a list of the people who are going to Egypt, who are going to become a great nation. Now, how long were they in the land of Egypt? Uh, from the time they traveled down with Jacob to visit Joseph, to, to see him for the first time in 20 years, until the time that Moses would draw them out? Well, the typical number is 400 years. But that's a rounded off number. If you look at Exodus chapter 12, verses 40 and 41, it actually tells us that they were in Egypt for 430 years. And honestly, when you think about it, that's a very, very long time. Our nation hasn't even been in existence nearly that long, the nation of the United States of America. And so when we think of them in Egypt, sometimes we say 400 years, but it just feels like it's a short time. They were actually there for a very, very long time. But during that time, these individuals that are mentioned in verses 8 through, 8 through 27 are the patriarchs and matriarchs of what will become a massive nation to fulfill one of the aspects of the promise that God gave to Abraham. In verses 28 through 29, we see a very touching scene as Joseph and his father Jacob reunite and embrace and weep. They haven't seen each other for 20 years, and Joseph was this little spoiled brat that his, his father Jacob had spoiled and loved, wrongfully treated him much better than his other brothers. But yet, they've both gone through 20 years of a lot of stuff. Now, Joseph is someone who clearly sees God's finger in all of the injustices, all of the bad things that have happened to him. He is okay with it because he realizes that God has been working it out for good. 
Jacob, on the other hand, believes in the same God. One day he will join his father and grandfather Abraham and Isaac in heaven, you know. But the only thing is, he's not as emotionally healthy. In fact, if you look at verse 30 in chapter 46, verse 30, it says, Then Israel, which is the name that Jacob's name was changed to, right? Jesus changed. He said, Your name is Jacob, but I'm going to change it to Israel. And so it said, Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm ready to die now. Oh my goodness, there he's talking about death again. He's talking about death again. I'm ready to die. Well, you know, when you when you look a little bit farther into the text, you realize that he lived for 17 more years. He lived for 17 more years. In fact, if you look at chapter 47, verse 28, it says, Now Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, but yet he's ready to die 17 years before he actually does die. Um, Friends, once again, I just want to remind you of what you already know. Life is difficult, but how we view God, not whether or not we believe in God, but how you view God will have everything to do with how you are able to reconcile or not reconcile what happens to you in life. Um, We see this in Joseph, we see it in Jacob, and we see them side by side. They believe in the same God. They don't necessarily believe the same things about him, or at least their experience of their beliefs are not the same. In verses 31 through 34, Joseph preps his family to meet the most powerful man in the world at that time, to meet Pharaoh, and we're prepared to go into the next chapter where Jacob is going to stand before Pharaoh. All right, so Genesis chapter 47. Um, We see Jacob come into Pharaoh's presence. And Jacob is an old man at this time and maybe walking feebly. I can only imagine that, you know, as we have kind of have assessed how he viewed his life, we can only imagine that his mental state, his emotional state, therefore affected his physical state. So I can only imagine that with the mentality that he had, he was not someone that had a commanding presence when he walked into a room. I don't think his shoulders were back and his head was and chin was high. I think that as he walked in, he walked in feebly um, and walked in as someone who just looked defeated, maybe, Um And so we have in chapter 47, verses 7 through 10, that Jacob, it says, blesses Pharaoh. Now, we don't really have the words of his blessing, um, you know, but may the God of our father bless you. I mean, we we don't have that, but it says that he blessed him. But when you look at the text in verses 7 through 10, um, in verse 9, well, actually verse 7, Joseph then brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Again, right, we don't have the words of that blessing, but he blessed him. And Pharaoh, in verse 8, said to Jacob, how many years have you lived? Jacob said to Pharaoh, my pilgrimage has lasted 130 years. My years, here it is, my years have been few and hard. Oh my goodness, Jacob. (laughs) 
my goodness, Jacob, why, why are you telling them they've been hard? Now, one of the things that I think some Christians do is they put on a smile when they are not feeling like a smile, and we understand that. Sometimes, honestly, that's appropriate. We don't need to let everybody know what's going on. We don't need to share our cares with every single person that gets near us. But some people uh, feel as if they have to be fake. You know, it's not just a momentary, I, I'm going to smile and not let, not bother anybody with what's going on. Some Christians, it seems as if they, they pretend and they, they are fake. Their, their faith doesn't seem like it's really connecting, that the things they say they believe, they're not really believing because then it would change their outlook. It would change how they view everything around them. Um, whenever we look at Jacob, we're realizing, oh my goodness, Jacob, <laughs> you know, this would have been one of those times, Jacob, when you should have told Pharaoh, man, my God is good. And life's been difficult, but God has been even better. You know, where, where difficulties abounded, grace did much more abound. You know, I know I changed the, the New Testament uh, verse just a little bit there, but I'm just pointing out that this was his opportunity to glorify God. And yet, as someone who was a follower of God, who Pharaoh um, almost certainly had not adopted because of the Egyptian gods and even how Pharaoh saw himself as, I believe, raw incarnate, this would have been an opportunity for Jacob to brag on God and to point the finger and glorify his God. And yet, he demonstrated that someone who follows the one true God, follows Yahweh, can get to the end of their life and just their assessment is it's just been hard. I'm telling you, whenever we look at uh, later on, much later on as we look at uh, Ezra, look at Ezra the scribe, one of the things that we understand from him is that uh, whenever he was going to lead a caravan from captivity back to the promised land and he was going to go back as a scribe to lead in a spiritual revival, one of the things he knew was that as he was going to make his travel back, that it was dangerous, very dangerous. And in fact, it would be dumb, it would be reckless not to have military accompany them to protect them on their long journey back, maybe a thousand mile journey back to Canaan. But yet, we're made aware that Ezra was thinking about this. And we're told that Ezra knew that if he asked the king, if he asked the king for military, he knew the king would either say or think, Ah, Ezra, you talk about how wonderful your God is, and yet you're asking for help. Well, I'll give you help, but I doubt what you have said about how powerful your God is. And so Ezra, thinking of how the king would, would respond to his request for protection, Ezra chose instead to fast and pray and simply ask God to protect him because he was more interested in God's glory than his, Ezra's, own protection. I'm telling you, that's how we need to live, friends. It's not that we just need to say that we're on our way to heaven and, and try to you know, make the most of this life. Our lives reflect to others how they uh, view our belief in God, whether or not we're, you know, it really makes a difference, and whether or not they're going to give God a try. 
And so whenever we see Jacob, you know, my head just kind of shakes and thinks, Jacob, you had an opportunity in front of Pharaoh to tell him about how good God has been to you and how gracious he's been and reuniting him, reuniting you with, with his son and how God has blessed your son Joseph and uh, raised him to his position. And you're so thankful to Pharaoh for seeing in him something um, that would, uh, so that he would install him to the second command over Egypt. I mean, Jacob could have been so positive and encouraging and demonstrated that a follower of God uh, is a different kind of person, but yet he didn't. He didn't. Don't be like that. Uh, one of the things that uh, we also see in verses 11 through 12, I'll just quickly go through the rest of this, is that Jacob uh, has his family. He, Jacob's family settles in Goshen. And where Goshen is, if you look at Egypt and you see the Nile Delta where it kind of spreads off and then eventually empties out into the Mediterranean Sea, uh, the area of Goshen is in that Delta. It's just filled with all sorts of silt and nutrients uh, where it would have been lush, grazing grounds for their flocks. Verses 13 through 26, uh, we see that Joseph provides for all of those that are in Egypt, uh, but he also, in doing so, brings all of Egypt under Pharaoh's control. Uh, once again, uh, you could determine whether or not what he did was right or wrong. Um, the narrative, God's Word, simply tells us what he did. It does not tell us whether it's right or wrong. It simply tells us what he did. In verses 27 through 31, uh, Jacob is now legitimately about to die. And so he gets Joseph to promise him, promise him that he's not going to bury him in Egypt. He's going to bury him in Canaan, which gets us ready for the next chapter when a patriarch dies. Okay, so our last chapter for today, Genesis 48. Now, one of the things that I said uh, as I was ending my comments on Genesis 47 was that the next chapter in which a patriarch dies, actually, that's not going to happen until the next chapter, Genesis 49, uh, when Jacob gives us his last words, and then Genesis 50, when Jacob is buried in Canaan. But Genesis 48 is the final words, uh, one of the final acts of, of this man. And, and uh, so anyway, let's look at Genesis 48. What Genesis 48, the big idea is the blessings that were pronounced upon Joseph's two sons, his first two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And one of the things that uh, Jacob said is, I will bless these two. He said, whatever sons you have after this, uh, they will be yours. But these two, Ephraim and Manasseh, will be mine. And the blessing that he pronounced on them was essentially a desire, a prophetic desire, that these two boys, even though they were being raised in Egypt, would not embrace Egyptian culture, but would embrace the lifestyle and the culture and the God of the Hebrews. But one of the things we also see is that Jacob, who was virtually blind, uh, we suppose at this time, Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed by his father, by, by, his, by Jacob, and so he brought them. But we're told in this chapter that Joseph intentionally brought these two um, with them stationed so that so that Jacob's right hand would be on Manasseh and his left hand 
would be on Ephraim's head as he blessed them. And the picture of this, at least the picture of this, would be that the right hand is seen to be the stronger. And by the way, whenever we see you know, passages in the Bible where it says Jesus is at God's right hand, it doesn't necessarily mean he's on his right side. It means the right hand in the Hebrew mind was the arm of strength. It was strength. And so as Jacob uh, had these two boys brought in front of him, Joseph, his son, did this in such a way that Jacob's arm of strength, his right hand, would be on the oldest son, Manasseh, and his lesser strength arm would be on the younger, Ephraim. And so, apparently during this blessing, Joseph is closing his eyes, and he doesn't notice until after the blessing that Jacob has crisscrossed his hands so that his hand, his right hand, is on Ephraim, the secondborn, and his left hand is on Manasseh. One of the things that we realize, and so Joseph had a big problem with this and tried to forcibly move his, his father's hands. But yet, one of the things that we realize from our position in history is as we look back, um, the right hand that was on the secondborn on Ephraim, that ended up panning out. Uh, that was prophetic because the tribe of Ephraim would become much larger than the tribe of Manasseh. Um, not only that, but the tribe of Manasseh, would, would, when it was time to go into the promised land, they wanted to split. And in fact, they did. They split. Some of them stayed on the wrong side of the Jordan. The other half went to the other side. So Manasseh, the older but got the left hand of Jacob, um, ended up being a tribe that uh, you know was kind of split on going into the promised land. Um, but not only that, some of the prophets in the Old Testament, when they are referring to, and, and we, you will know, if, if you don't already know, the, the, the tribes will split, Israel will split after Solomon. And the northern tribes, the ten tribes, some prophets just called them Ephraim. And so, as Jacob is blessing Manasseh and Ephraim and blesses the younger Ephraim and puts his right hand on his head, we understand that God prophetically was working through him even in that uh, incident right there. God was in control. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that you are in control. Um, we thank you that even as we look at uh, how you orchestrated this beautiful story and brought it together and how we look at the, the characters and how they are responding after a life of difficulty and injustice and how that a simple switch of hands to bless the younger as opposed to the older primarily, um, this is something even you were in control of that. Lord Jesus, I pray that we would not live with a disconnected um, mindset, that we would not see you demonstrating control in the Bible and yet not live with that belief in our own life. Lord, I pray that we would find comfort in the fact that this is a day that you have made. And I pray that we would rejoice and be glad in it regardless of what takes place today, knowing that every single thing has to come from your hands. It goes through your hands to get to us. And even then, you've promised to work it all out for our good. Lord Jesus, help us to find comfort, not just to believe it, but to find comfort as we rest in 
the fact that you are fully sovereign. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our time together today as we've looked at a few chapters in the Old Testament. Tomorrow, we're going to finish up Genesis and uh, get back into Matthew. So I'm looking forward to, to that. I uh, hope you're enjoying it. If you are, feel free to share this podcast by word of mouth or maybe on social media um, so, that, uh, so that others can join us in this group. Um, I love seeing the comments on the Facebook group page. I love being able to interact. So please feel free to continue to do that if that's your desire. Can't wait to spend time together tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.